obviously I want to thank you for showing up and being a guest. And uh, I do want to thank everyone for joining us today and welcome to the, the Deep Voice Man show. My name is Luke John Louis. So, um, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Great. It's an honor to have you on the show. And it's interesting because I, I reached out to you because I wanted to interview uh, experienced freelance copywriters. And you obviously have a long uh, uh, amount of experience in that you've worked for firms like Nikon, Canon, and Sony. I hope I'm pronouncing them right, um, but I've definitely heard of them. And you currently are a pharmaceutical uh, copywriter, right? Because you have, a, I believe, a degree in oncology. So, uh, I went to grad school in medical physics a long time ago, but um, oh, okay. it, it makes it um, easy for me to write um, medical content for doctors. Yeah. Wonderful. And, but you've, uh, since you've been doing copywriting for such a long time, you realized that there was an opportunity in the songwriting f uh, field, right? Exactly. Yeah. It, it was just, you know, when you're doing advertising writing, everything is within certain parameters and guardrails. It's like, right. It's not like just do something creative. No, it has to be on strategy. Like the competition is saying this, so we're not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> our strength is this, but it's not this. So we're going to, you know, there's all these um, very specific needs when you're writing in advertising. And I've been a songwriter all my life. And I just thought, well, uh, you know, why not do this for people? You know, most songwriters <laughs> don't want to do it. Most songwriters just want to write from their heart and do their own thing. But I thought, actually, I've learned a lot about interviewing people over the years. And um, so anyway, it was just kind of a natural progression. Yeah. Wonderful. And well, just like an entrepreneur, you saw the opportunity was there and you took advantage of it. Uh, you saw that there was a need to be fulfilled. So th that's amazing. And uh, my hat is off to you. I, I can definitely see why people would want songs uh, written for them. Now, my understanding is that you are an award-winning songwriter. Yes. And uh, so you know what you're doing when it comes to songs and you play the guitar, yep. uh, which helps. So you, uh, writing has always, I guess, been uh, something that's been a gift for you, uh, particularly writing music. They just, the melodies just come to you, which is amazing. I was listening to a few songs on the website and it's incredible. And okay. so, yeah. And, and you do this for weddings, right? Uh, anniversaries and whatnot i would say the majority so far have been weddings and birthdays wow anniversaries as well um yeah this this depends but weddings and birthdays seems to be so far what i've been asked to do um yeah no it's great you get to you get to ask people questions that no one's ever asked them <laughs> And um, after a while, they, they trust you and open up to you. And you really hear very touching, very personal stories. And then I work to, you know, put that into the correct music and the correct lyric and all that. Yeah. Wonderful. That's amazing. And you were also a, a songwriting judge in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I got my start in advertising um, in Japan. Wow. Uh, I was originally hired to write uh, advertising copy for a company called Roland. Mm -hmm. um, they basically make, you know, digital samplers, drum machines, digital pianos, um, that kind of thing. And so I, at the time, I knew their products pretty well because I would, I'd been working in theater as a sound designer. And so that was my entry to advertising. And I found that I liked it. 
Um, <laughs> it was very, very quick. You're always learning something. Um, it's very presentational, like theater. Mm -hmm. You have to get their attention, keep their attention, and leave them right. remember. Um, so it was, it was really a, yeah, it, it was a nice change for me, and I, I've been doing that and songwriting, I guess, ever since. Wow, wonderful. So do you, my understanding is you also speak a little Japanese, right? Are you fluent? Oh, oh, well, at my best, I was kind of like high, intermediate, low experts. Um, I did work at a company where no one spoke any English at all. So I had to do business in Japanese. Um, and they were very patient with me, but uh, <laughs> I learned a lot. That's amazing. Wow, yeah, that is so cool. Language. Yeah. Well, so, all right. So you, um, well, thank you for that, for sharing your story and for going into your background. I'm, I'm curious, uh, how did you first gravitate towards writing in general? Is it something you always knew you wanted to do ever since you were young? I mean, no. can you go into your background and, and how did you stumble no. on it? No, it was just, <laughs> I never took it seriously. Um, my father was a scientist. And so I went into the sciences originally um i really didn't know what the hell i wanted to do i was like <laughs> i was like music i always did it on the side um yeah i just i was always a good writer you know like my teachers in high school and college would run off my my papers for the class to read and oh wow i just never i don't know i never thought of it as a career and just maybe i was just too much in the science head in those days but <laughs> Yeah. Well, to me, songwriting is more fun than being a scientist. So I think you went the, the right route, in my opinion. It's definitely my, my uh, <laughs> yeah, who I am more as a person. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's interesting. So you realize you had a knack for it and you, you use it. It's so important for people to understand what their talents are and to see if uh, they can maximize it. And if they can, hey, if they can parlay it into a well-paying career. And, and doing something that they're really great at, uh, all the more power to them and whatnot. So, you know, I, I'm curious now, obviously you've been chugging along, uh, writing these songs and, and, and whatnot. Uh, now the pandemic kind of sucker punched us all, came out of nowhere. I'm curious, uh, what challenges, if any, has the pandemic posed for you and your business? Um, I mean, certainly there are fewer live events. Um, weddings are picking up. So that's, you know, that, you know, I have friends that do like, you know, background jazz for weddings, that kind of thing. And, and they're, you know, all of a sudden they're getting lots of gigs. So that's, that part of the world is picking up. Um, the pandemic didn't affect me so much with advertising. Um, I okay. worked from home, so it didn't affect, you know, office attendance or anything like that. Um, yeah, there, there's still lots of work out there in advertising. Uh, I would say it's it's probably right now I have turned away more work in advertising in the last six months than I have in my entire life. You know, wow. There's, there's just so much work and just not enough people to do it for, for, the, for my little niche, you know. Right. Yeah. And so that's amazing that you've been able to turn down all this work. And, and whatnot. You know, my understanding is for a lot of copywriters, they were able to excel for the reasons that you mentioned, 
you guys, a lot of you guys work from home, the, the freelance ones do. Yeah. And so it didn't really affect you too much. And a lot of firms, they actually fell back on, on doing more marketing. And so obviously they needed to reach out to copywriters. I spoke with one copywriter who, who she said that her business went up during the pandemic as well. So right. it's interesting that you were able to thrive uh, under those uh, tough circumstances. And, you know, so that's amazing. Now, obviously, uh, the pandemic is sort of uh, in our rearview mirror, or, or hopefully soon. And hopefully. you mentioned, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so gigs have been picking up uh, for the uh, the jazz folks you mentioned, which is great to hear. As more and more people do uh, live events and, and and whatnot and gatherings, and and with the, particularly with the ramp up distribution of the vaccine, it came out very quickly, which I'm very happy about. So we can sort of get back to normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I'm curious now, obviously you've helped out a lot of folks, a lot of firms, and you've performed at a lot of weddings. Um, I'm wondering, are there any moving or entertaining stories that you can tell us about your life or career? Hmm. Where do I begin? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess I just, again, go back. I think the first song I ever wrote for a special event, so, so to speak, was for my parents, uh, their 50th wedding anniversary. And I wrote a song called 50 Years and Counting. Um, wow. And um, it was nice. You know, my family's not real emotional about things. Um, but my brother's wife was there and she was moved to tears by it. Wow. And uh, that really touched me. Uh, and so I've kind of continued on that vein. Um, I still write songs on my own, um, you know, that are more just me expressing where I'm at in life or what right. I'm observing. Um, but I like a song just for you because it gives me a focus. It gives me a deadline. It gives <laughs> me a, a client with a specific story. It's this, it's not that. Um, and, and it's money, you know, it's like, it gives me income. So that of course helps you to focus a lot more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Oh, it's been great. That's amazing. And so, you know, to write songs for your family, that's incredible. So you said this was your first song uh, and it moved your sister-in-law to tears. Uh, yeah. Just incredible. The, yeah. the power that, that of music. Was, that, that was the first song I wrote for a special event. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I'd probably written a hundred songs before that. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But this was the first song I'd written for a special event. For a special event. Thank you for the clarification there. And um, so you, obviously you do this, you write songs for yourself. Uh, it's, yeah. I guess it's sort of like a therapy. You know, they, they always talk about how journaling can help people uh, emotionally, mentally, and psychologically, I guess even spiritually, you know, writing stuff down. I don't do much journaling, um, but I, I've read so much about the importance and the benefits of journaling. So my understanding is you write songs about you and it helps you in a therapeutically or, you know, uh, maybe to get Absolutely. through the day. Absolutely. I think that's, that's why people do art. We do art to kind of like, you know, wake up the things that are sleeping in us. And then <laughs> hopefully it, it often wakes up the listener, things that are sleeping in them, mm -hmm. uh, gives a voice to things that, you know, you have to excavate. Uh, right. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it reminds me of things like meditation and then and, and, uh, you know mindfulness and whatnot. 
And so that is just, uh, you know, something I may have to look into, perhaps not writing songs, but just writing in general journaling and whatnot. Um, I, I always read about the benefits of it, but haven't really gone into it. Uh, something I should look into some, some more. Now, you, you said that when you started the firm, a song just for you.com, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it gives you, uh, obviously, this is something you would do for fun or for free if you could, right? And which is great, but uh, you got to obviously pay the bills and whatnot, but this gives you the discipline to sort of do it right and have a deadline and whatnot. It does. And, whatnot. It and, does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it really helps. It's like, like the, like Richard Rogers was famous for not doing anything for fun or for pleasure. Like he would not sit down and write a song until he had the lyrics in front of him and then he would do it. But he wasn't just a, you know, a, a relaxed, fun guy that just liked to play, like Cole Porter. Um, mm -hmm. He was a very serious guy, and um, and and the song just for you is it does give you that focus again. You know, it's like I do the interview with the people, and I pick up little things. Actually, if you want, I I have a song that I'm in the process of mixing right now, and um, it's written for a guy's birthday. From the perspective of his son oh wow and um and i could i could play a little bits from the interview oh, and then show wonderful. you how they showed up in the song if you want well you could go right ahead i would love to hear it yes okay um so basically in in the interview like you know first you're you're just talking with someone like we are right now you've never met and and you want to establish rapport and you establish trust um and so we talked about a lot of things, the way he bonded with his dad. You know, it was through flying when he was getting his pilot's license, um, through sports. His dad was a big coach type of person, mentor type of person. Um, audiobooks on tape, that's a real common thing. But then what, in business, his dad was a very successful business guy. But then it, it kind of, we started to gravitate on fishing because that was a real bonding experience for him with his dad and also for his siblings with his dad. And so once we, once I kind of thought, oh, this, this has some juice, this could kind of be the song. Um, I started learning about fishing and, and there's something called bait casting, which is, let's see. The only thing that would really come to mind would be fishing. This, oh always works out because the casting we do is very difficult or not difficult but it takes a little bit to learn what what is the casting you uh it's just bait casters okay. uh, just musky fishing uh and they're big lures and and so that that kind of got us started and then i learned a little more about bait casting and the musky uh which is apparently a very difficult fish to catch okay so what you call the bait bait casting yeah and what's different from just a regular cast? Well, that's the, it's more the, um, the big casting is the reel. It's an open reel. So it's just, you have to work at it and you get what's called a backlash. Okay. So it it's different? like as a kid, I had like the monophonic line and the reel. Yeah, it's not that. Not <laughs> it's that a close. lot harder than that. Oh, okay. So what's so hard about it? Uh, it's just, well, A, it's, you saw the size of that lure. So you're throwing that out as a kid. Okay, the weight. Okay. Yeah. And so it's kind of interesting. And then he <laughs> talks, talks about the muskie, which
which is like for muskie it's the fish at ten thousand casts <laughs> so every ten thousand casts you'll see one wow one, but you'll see it oh there's pots huh? okay yeah and so uh the encouragement of us of keep going to keep going oh. as a as a kid is uh was important <laughs> and you and you, did you get bored oh absolutely yeah but he was always there to either keep me going or switch to another thing for a little bit to, to okay. keep, it, keep it entertaining. <laughs> so I kind of start with that. I start to develop a rapport and then I'm going to uh, show you how these things showed up in the song. All right. Um, first, I will play. The, the first thing I do is I do a vocal guitar demo where it's just, it's just the song itself. You know, I, I get the arrangement, the structure, the chords, the melody, all that, the rhythms. And um, for example, the, the musky, um, let's see, where is that in the song? That is, oh yeah, there, there is a point where um, he was talking about all the different fish that they, uh, um, would catch, and so I. That's part of the song. Here's the demo. Tiger fish, diamond, Nile perch, sunfish, GT bonefish, freshwater bass, even that clever musky of ten thousand cats. And so that's kind of like what you know. That's that's where that idea came from. And then like here is the full production. Tiger fish, diamond, Nile perch, sunfish, GT bonefish, freshwater bass. Even that clever musky of 10,000 casts. So that's that's kind of how the song, you know, develops. It's like, it really is based on them. Like, like here, like we are talking about um, the places that they fished, you know. We like, went, uh, yeah, fishing on the Mississippi up in uh, La Crosse. Yeah. And so then, when, when you were learning to fish, did you, did that happen in like during things? Mm-hmm. Oh, it did, okay. Yeah. You, you were, where would you go in Barrington? Well, in Barrington really just, well, they had a pond in uh, the house where we not grew up, but uh, we moved there when I was in started middle school. Okay. So I, we would just do bass fishing there, and that's where I learned how to throw the musky lures, oh, throw the big okay. casting lure. So it was, because uh, you always had to practice before you went on your first trip to Canada, because learning was more to go up to Canada, because that's oh. where we'd always love to go. Okay, to... Um... Anifal Island, or, or yeah, is that what they well, call it? No, there's near, not really a name, but Hannibal Island is kind of the. Uh, I would. So we would just talk about different things, and for example, this showed up in the song. Um, I ended up putting some of this uh, in the intro, you know, really talking about his relationship with his father. From um, the backyard in Barrington. The amazing Mississippi, the coast of Costa Rica, 
the Seychelles, Tanzania, Mongolia, Australia, and all three lakes vermilion. Each place with lasting memories of big baskets. <laughs> And then, so that kind of set up the song. And then at the end of the interview, I always ask the client, you know, what, what type of music do they like? You know, because then I would like to write in a style that at least has a reference to something that they personally like. Um, and, he, and he was like, No, 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 that's great. No, but it's just interesting. I'm trying to give like a variety of styles. Right. Uh, so your dad absolutely needs to feel. Right. Uh, your mom, she likes country. Yeah. Like and, you know, like that. And, and so I wrote that song kind of a country song. Okay. And then Carrie, I'm kind of trying to pull in kind of a Nora Jones kind of style because she likes mm -hmm. jazz and all that. Mm -hmm. um, for you, maybe I'll try and pull in a little bit of yours. Yeah. Okay. Or um, uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, the Man in Black. Um, um, yeah, not, not Johnny Cash. Uh, oh, Johnny Cash. Yeah. Johnny Cash. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this is like the old, you know, basically kind of humorous, edgy country. Yeah, you know, quite different from the pop country that's up there. Right, right. So it was interesting when I when I heard that. It's like I started listening to, um, you know, Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash just to get a right. you know refresh myself and what they were all about. And then I ended up um, there's a Johnny Cash. His most famous song is probably Folsom Prison, and it starts right. off with a with a fairly, you know, just kind of a, so anyway, this, it kind of inspired the rhythm for the song, which is like this. With a bobbin made for bobbin, and a sinker made for sinking, a lure that's made for luring, and a boat that's made for taking, you can solve all the world problems, and if only they would listen, everything would be just fine. It's a family condition. It's very catchy. Yeah. So that's that's basically ended up being the title of the song. You never get tired of fishing. Because <laughs> that's that's what they do. That's that's the way they bond. The whole family likes it. Um and it had that kind of little Johnny Cash feel to it. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's one other thing. Um, wow. It's interesting that uh, you, when I was listening to you give the guy the questions, these were very probing questions. And yes. uh, very, uh, no, very, you were trying to get to the heart of the matter, which I- Absolutely. Found. Yeah, as, yeah. A, as a songwriter, you know, something general doesn't make a very good song, like fishing. Right. It's not interesting. If you talk about bass or muskie, now yeah. you're starting to tell a story. And I learned actually a lot of that from advertising uh -huh. because we would do interviews with our you know, prospective audience. Uh -huh. And in general, most people are, they're, they're unaware of what they actually think. They'll uh -huh. say things to be socially acceptable, but to get them to reveal what they actually think we would do like ideation exercises where it's mm -hmm. like, like for a doctor, it's like, oh, okay. So is the, is the theme song for the cancer, 
you know, um, Star Wars or is it, or is it heavy metal, you know, or is it, is it sneaky, you know, and you kind of tease out what people right. actually think. Cause then they can say, Oh no, it's not heavy metal. It's not that aggressive. This is like, Oh, it's like a ninja. Ah, yeah, it's like a ninja. <laughs> You know, but people don't, aren't able to articulate that until you kind of help them. Uh, so I did learn to do that um, in advertising because um, that's part of what we need to learn. Um, I want to play. This is um, between us. We could solve everything. Okay. He's talking uh, about on the boat with his dad. Poverty, the housing shortages. Like we could figure it all out. Poverty, housing shortages. Yeah. Uh, environment. Yeah, we could, um, we could solve everything. Okay, okay. Um, like transportation, infrastructure? Or... Sure, we could fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt we could fix it. If okay. they would just listen to us. Okay. So that ended up in the song. You know, <laughs> if, on, if only they would listen. You know, everything would be just fine. Um, things like that, you know, and then, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Any, anything else that comes to your mind about it sounds, it sounds like it's gonna be mostly on fishing. Oh, wait a minute. In Canada, you have like Little Vermilion and Big Vermilion. Yep. yep. But that's different from Lake Vermilion in Minnesota. Yep. Oh gotcha. I like that. Okay. Vermilion's all over. All right. Mm -hmm. And that showed up in the intro, you know, from the backyard in Barrington to the amazing <laughs> Mississippi. The coast of Costa Rica, the Seychelles, Tanzania. And then one thing that he really liked, um, his dad was a real fisherman and just, where is my little snippet? Um, oh yeah, there was one fish. They were in, they were fishing for Taiman in Mongolia, I think. Mm. And um, there was one where he got the fish, but his video ended he couldn't Aww. get the video and he was like okay but you caught a world of retirement in yep. mongolia yeah and then the second time you did it your dad was with you yep and what, what did he say uh, he was more disappointed that i like i have camera sunglasses or sunglasses that have a camera in it yeah and i had run out of batteries like two minutes before the fish it's like oh oh uh, yeah okay. yeah we lost the camera didn't get it on film Okay, the, 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 the movie that got away, but not the picture got away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And so that it became another little part of the song. Um, in the, uh, let's see, it's one of the bridges. Okay, so let's see. Yeah, so it goes. Family. It's the Hannibal family. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wow. Okay, and then to, here's the, the the video that got away. <laughs> here. Okay. Once a video got away. <laughs> Not that time, and I am proud to say 
So anyway, that's uh, just an example of how <clears throat> I customize each song personality and the stories um you know and as a songwriter it's my job to know what to leave out and what mm -hmm. to, put in to make it a, a song that holds together coherently wow it's amazing uh, and thank you so much for going through the whole process of how you do it and, and it, you know when you come up with that finished product i'm sure they're very amazed i, I would think for all the work yeah, that you put in <laughs> it's actually one of the most gratifying things about doing this because you're like you know, even if it's a, even if it's a so-so song, it's about them. So they'll be touched. But you know, like like people at weddings now, they will have someone like maybe take a song they like and write different lyrics for the wedding, which is nice. It, but it's it's about them. But it's still kind of, to me as a songwriter, it's still kind of like paint by numbers. It's not really art. Right. And so when I create, you know, real music, you know, original music, original arrangements and instrumentation. And it has the very personal elements that are not right. made to fit to some existing song, but meet their musical tastes and their story. Mm -hmm. um, it's the, that's the most gratifying thing. Like wow. really, usually, um, like my sister-in-law, but you just say, "Oh, it brought tears to my eyes." <laughs> you know, I could totally understand that. And obviously, to someone who's just listening to a song who doesn't know them they would think well it's maybe kind of cute and catchy but to them you know it incorporates all the information that you were able to sort of grab from them through all those probing questions and it sort of yeah. hits home with them it's very sentimental yeah. and emotional so i i can totally um understand that and and why uh, you know they they pay you the money to do this kind of thing and now my understanding is you not only write the songs obviously we sing and perform them which is yeah. amazing yeah, and I'll, use, I'll usually go to the event and perform it. You know, I can either do it solo with acoustic guitar, or I can give I can give the sheet music to the wedding band. The wedding band can right. play it, or whatever they prefer. But generally, I end up performing it um, at least at some point. Like with this particular song, um, I wrote some from the perspectives of the other family members, mm -hmm. and at at this point, I think I'm going to fly to Minnesota in September and perform mm -hmm. out there at the celebration wow yeah that's amazing yeah. so <laughs> that's that's very incredible and uh you know i could tell you're doing what you love i can um you know feel the passion in your voice and uh, you know as you're talking about it and you know it's so important for people to follow their true calling do what they like you know mark twain says that you have two birthdays in your life the day you were born the day you figure out why and uh <laughs> you know both oh, your birthdays wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's interesting. It takes a second. <laughs> ah, the day you figure out why. I'm yeah. still working on that, but uh, All right. okay. li living a life is nevertheless. Yeah. You know. All right. Okay. Well, obviously, it's an, obviously a never-ending journey when it comes to uh, self-knowledge and, and learning about yourself, of course. Uh, so, yeah, Twain said a lot of catchy stuff. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm now I'm, I'm curious, you know, you how long have you been doing this venture when it comes to writing songs and performing for people? I I started my I have a an escort called Wild Muse Productions that I run everything. Mm -hmm. A song just for you is part of Wild Muse Productions. And mm -hmm. um, I started that in 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been doing that for and that in, that's included. You know, I used to do a lot of sound design for live theater, <laughs> so it's included that. And you know, 
you know, as, as an artist, every artist has to do a lot of things until you're known for doing one thing and everyone yeah. forgets about all the other things you did. And, uh, yeah. No, I totally get that. And so, yeah, and you have uh, not only just wonderful writing skills, but a wonderful voice as well. Just oh, want to throw that out Thanks there. Thanks very yes. much. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. And so um, it's curious. Now, obviously, uh, you you went off and you did this, your own thing, and this entrepreneurial venture, my, my hat is off to you. And it was something at the time that was kind of new because prior to that, you had just been, uh, I'm guessing, doing some copywriting, right? Yes, and whatnot. And for yeah. a while, so you um, wanted to sort of had to took this leap and whatnot. And it's for a lot of people, uh, it's tough for them. Uh, you know, they're stuck sort of in their comfort zone, but they sort of want to take a leap into that entrepreneurial world and it's, and it's hard and whatnot. And, uh, so my question to you is when you start off on a business, they say it's so important to build relationships and network and perhaps get to a point where you can mostly or solely rely on referrals. And I, I'm sure you probably get lots of referrals, right? Uh, I'm curious, what uh, networking advice would you give to folks? And this could be not just for entrepreneurs, but job hunters as well. And, you know, we met on LinkedIn, which is a you know, yep. uh, uh, to me, that's probably the, the best networking platform out there. It's like a 24-7 networking event. I truly yep. believe it is. And um, so I, I reached out to you and you were gracious enough to accept my uh, connection request and interview request. And it's an honor to have you on the show. So I'm curious, what, what advice you got it, would you give folks uh, when it comes to building relationships and whatnot? It, to me... The, I guess from my personal experience, um, there's a chemistry, you know, it's almost like dating. You know, it's like there's a chemistry that you have with certain coworkers and you do not have it with all of them. And it's when you do feel the chemistry with someone in whatever you're doing, you know, whether it's an entry level job or whatever the hell it is, um, that matters because people remember you. They don't they'll remember if your skill level is bad, they'll remember that because people don't want to look bad by introducing you. Right. <laughs> um, but mostly what I remember, and I think what people remember about me is just something about me, my character, my personality, my vibe, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, I think that matters. So I guess the only advice I'd say is just pay attention to that. And, um, you know, LinkedIn is great. Uh, I think the very hardest, like I have a niece right now who just got her first job right out of college. Um, and I, I really think that first job was the very, very toughest mm. um, because nobody knows you. You're a, you are a big risk. You know, they're going to spend <laughs> right. time and energy teaching you. And, and what if you can't do it? You know, right. what if you're an embarrassment? And they have, you know, it's, it's a big risk. And, um, I know that for me, it took a long time to break into New York advertising because oh, wow. I, I hadn't been living here. I didn't have a track record of people in New York. Um, I've been working in Tokyo and, you know, truthfully, my book, my portfolio of work wasn't that great. It wasn't up to New York standards um, because I hadn't worked with very good art directors in Tokyo and, mm. uh, or strategy people. Um, and New York has a much higher standard. And um, I got coaching from people that were more experienced than I was. I remember one mm -hmm. guy 
you know, looked through my book and he was just like, nope, nope, nope. Oh, this, wow. this shows a little concept, you know, and that, that really helped me. You know, I didn't take it as an insult at all. You know, you, okay. you're going to be in the arts or in advertising. It's, you just really have to get used to, you know, there's always ways to be better. You know, if, if you're, if you're not able to take, you know, advice or just even just perceiving that it's like, oh, I lost the room here as a performer mm-hmm. or, oh, I, I, this, this is working. You know, if you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to that, it's hard to learn. It's hard to grow. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't know. What, <laughs> does that answer your question? I'm not even quite sure how to answer that. But uh, it did. Um, obviously, the uh, what I was able to uh, grasp from that is having the thick skin, handling the uh, constructive criticism feedback. And it's tough at first. Some people are better at it than others. Yeah. Uh, so important. You also moved to New York City because you wanted to uh i guess make it here as they say and because uh, it was here. a music it was a music center yeah right so, yeah. so you went to uh where there are opportunities so yeah. very important so i was able to grab that from you as well and and you know even though you didn't know anyone you you hit the ground running you figured out what you had to do and you talked a lot about likability um and vibing well with folks how at work you may get along with some not others but not we, we all understand how that is I, I i try to um on my own uh, try to be as likable as i can and uh i think that's so important particularly if you want to build a wide network of friends and, and whatnot and uh you, yeah. you would think it would be easy but unfortunately for some people it's not <laughs> yeah I, well and it and it's funny i'm now i'm thinking of another thing like when i was in tokyo um I had left for a year. I went to Prague for a year mm-hmm. and then I came back and I, I didn't have work. I couldn't get work. And so I was just, you know, doing everything I could. But one thing I did that helped me to land a job is uh, I wasn't even living in Tokyo at the time. I was like outside of the city about two hours by train. Okay. And, but there, they had the, um, the advertising awards show, um, and so I took the train in and I wore my best suit and I went to the advertising awards show and, you know, I just, I saw the work. I talked to the people. Um, I just told them, I said, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I was working in Osaka at international ad company. And, um, now I'm uh, looking for possibilities in Tokyo. And, um, you know, they didn't know that I was, you know, in debt and unemployed and all that, but they didn't need to know that. Um, I just presented as professionally as I could and, and I got a job. I got, wow. Yeah. Uh, so that it was just, but I remember that it was like that train ride cost like $60 and it took two hours each way. And, um, you know, I didn't know anybody, but Mm -hmm. I met people and it led to a job. So I guess that's, you know, it could have been a wash, but it wasn't, you know, and, and it's the same in New York. There's a lot of networking events and, mm. you know, a lot of them are pretty lame and it's not going <laughs> to leak anything, but, you know, this is what you do if you don't, like for me in New York with advertising, I got my first gig at a New York agency through a woman I knew in a class that I'd been taking. Mm. And she worked as kind of an admin at an ad agency. 
and <laughs> she connected me with her boss. Wow. And I, and I remember emailing her boss once a month for like 10 months. Wow. You know, very politely, just trying to create a rapport. Mm. Finally, she took a chance on me. You know, wow. me a one-week gig that turned into six months that all wow. of a sudden introduced me to other people that could, you know, vouch for me at other agencies. But until I had that, I'm the same guy with the same skills, but nobody wants me. You know? <laughs> wow. I, you yeah. know, it's funny. I tell this to you all the time. The more you network, the luckier you get. And uh, it's so true. Uh, yeah. you know, and to throw in another cliche that your net, your network is tied up with your net worth. Totally good that to be true. <laughs> oh, you good. like that one? Yeah. I like that. I haven't heard that. You like it? Okay. And so it's interesting how you can't, you went to these places not knowing anyone, but right. you built those relationships and th made things happen. Uh, it's not so much that you got lucky. It's more that you, you made your own luck. And, you know, and you do that when you meet people. You know, they actually have done studies where they found that the luckiest, most successful people have very wide and deep networks. So mm -hmm. there is something to that. There's a book I recommend to people called Never... Um, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Uh, they sell oh, it on Amazon. Um, yeah, um, you may like it. And so the guy, he, uh, he has humble roots, but he was able to achieve a lot of success because he was able to network and build relationships. And he talks a lot about his own life in the book. Uh, he's able to, you know, he, he started off, he was a caddy uh, at golf, and, but that helped him to mingle with people and then was, was able to go to Harvard and whatnot. So, yeah, it's a very interesting book, uh, but the concept is so important for people to understand. And that's the reason why I started the podcast. The primary reason was to build relationships uh, with folks. And I always tell people, if you want to network, be do podcasts, interview people. And uh, I, I got the idea to do this from a, a book I read uh, by Steve Gordon. Uh, I'll, I'll email it to you later. And he would go to places not knowing anyone, just like you, right? When you went to uh, Japan and New York and whatnot. And he found that uh, one of the best ways to network was just to interview folks because almost everyone said yes to an interview request. And it helped him to build a relationship uh, from there. So uh, <laughs> and, uh, people, people love to talk about themselves. Yes. Like, like I took a career exploration class once. And as part of it, we had to do an informational interview with people working in a field that we wanted to work in. And I'm like, how can I call this, this, you know, designer and ask him to talk to me? Oh, my God, people like, make time. you know, and, and I'm the yeah. same way. Like today, I'm, I'm actually really busy right now. I'm working on yeah. like three podcasts at the same time. I've got five songs going with a song just for you. Um, I've got, you know, different writing assignments I'm working on. And, and yet I, I made time to meet you <laughs> because you want to ask me about me. And, yeah. and everybody's like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. I never would have guessed that. I thought, oh, this, this guy is too intimidating. I, I couldn't ask the creative director to have a meeting with me. And it's like, well, if you if you approach it in a way where it's like you're saying oh i'd like to learn about what you do i'm thinking of going into it and i see that you've accomplished all these things and i'd really love to learn from you and people will like it. it'll make it'll be the priority of their week you know it's just we're humans you know we, <laughs> we yeah. want to feel we want to feel important and somehow yeah. you feel more important to an intern than you do to your coworkers or clients
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's something I think more people really need to look into. If not doing a podcast, doing uh, the informational uh, interviews, a very good way to find work uh, Mm -hmm. if you're unemployed, I would say. Uh, So that's uh, something uh, people need to know more about as well. So, you know, uh, definitely. So thank you so much for this incredible uh, advice you've given us on networking. And so uh, I'm curious now, what advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you do? Uh, And this goes both ways. Uh, Perhaps they want to be a copywriter, uh, a freelance copywriter or any other type of Mm -hmm. copywriter Mm -hmm. or in-house and or and or if they want to be a songwriter, they want to get into music. uh, What tips would you give to folks? Okay, uh, to be a copywriter, um, you need to be where there's competition. Um, you know, you can be a copywriter and I lived in Nashville for a while and you can be a copywriter in Nashville. They're terrible. Their standards are very low. They have no idea of the psychology of good advertising. Um, and, but if you go to New York or Chicago or LA or a little bit San Francisco now, you are going to be around people that know what they're doing. And that's who you want to be around. You know, otherwise you're not going to learn. You're going to think you're really good and you're not good at all. Um, you want to be around people that have been around the block. And um, so, yeah, to get started, I would say you need to be in a town that is uh, doing what you want to do. If it's copywriting, you got to be in Chicago, New York, or LA, maybe San Francisco. Um, everything else is going to be second tier. I mean, I know that'll insult people, but that's just my personal experience, you know, working with people that are not in the big centers. Um, Yeah, there's just a different work ethic. There's a different standard. Um, You know, I remember when I was at Saatchi, we used to, we hired this company in Iowa to do some of our videos and that kind of thing. And it completely failed. They just, they didn't have the work ethic of New York. You know, it's like, oh, we got a presentation. Sorry, we're, we leave at six. Well, guess what? You know, you're not going to get the business because mm-hmm. the other agency you're competing with is going to work all weekend to get this thing ready. Um, and that's just the pace in that particular world and why it doesn't work when you're dealing with third, you know, second tier cities. Um, and music, I would say the same, you know, I mean, it's kind of, changed it keeps changing with the internet but i remember so i just finished uh, the songwriting program at berkeley college of music in boston and there are amazing musicians in boston amazing they're so talented and so good and they will go nowhere no one will will make the national scene it's it's quite rare i can name three or four people that have done it but it's almost impossible and the reason is, is because in Nashville, Los Angeles, and New York, there are also tons of talented people, maybe not even as talented, but they're right there. And they're at the industry events and they're meeting each other. And the right. people that they meet maybe become a sideman for some big star. And then that gives you connections here and there. Mm. And so that's, that's why I moved to New York. Um, I wasn't like enamored of the Big Apple or anything, um, <laughs> but I didn't want to stay in Nashville. I knew that Nashville was not the place for me, and I hate traffic. I, I didn't want to be in LA. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah. Right. And uh, so it's interesting how so many people come to New York, uh, not only just for music and copywriting, but a whole bunch of stuff, modeling, uh, oh, acting, wow. dancing. Um, you know, you would think this kind of thing would be more spread out, right? Opportunities, but that's not really necessarily the case. Sometimes you have to move, um, you know, and- I think you, know, you do. Yeah, like, like for me, like I met, you know, when I was looking for housing, a guy, I knew one actor in New York and he, referred me to his mailing list of actors. And he said, hey, there's a nice guy, he's looking for housing. Met some guy, I couldn't afford what he wanted, but he's, he mentioned, oh, there's this guy who's actually in Tokyo right now, and he knows somebody who has a place that needs a roommate. And so I met that guy, and he turned out to be a very important person in my life. Um, he was a very famous Broadway arranger, probably the most famous Broadway's ever had. And we became personal friends and he brought me on three cruise ships with him and mm. working on a musical together. Um, I would never have met someone like that if I wasn't in New York, you know, mm. it was through my housing search, you know, just person to person to person. And then we, we connected, you know, and it was really mm. worked, uh, mm. mentoring for me. And, and one of the people he introduced me to, um, is still a friend and we, you know, I help him with audio things and uh, he will listen to my songwriting and give me his advice. Um, and he's a very famous cabaret singer. Um, so, yeah. So, and I'm not going to meet those people in, you know, South Dakota or Iowa. That's amazing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, but you know, I do sometimes feel bad for other areas of the country that don't really have a lot of get a lot of attention. But you know, hopefully, uh, you know, like Iowa and the Dakotas. But hopefully, at some point, that sort of changes. Um, yeah. But until then, right, you have to uh, deal with the way things are now. Obviously, with the internet, things are maybe a little bit better in terms of making it from wherever you are. But we're not there yet. Right. Oh, it's, I mean, there is talent. There is so yeah. much talent all over. Oh my God. You go to some little town in Maine and you're going to hear some of the best guitar players you ever heard. You know, there is talent all over. It's just being <laughs> around enough other people at that level is pretty tough when you're a big fish. Right. Um, you know, you, you're not going to be able to learn from the people, you know, around you. Um, right. And that's so important, right? To be in that environment where everyone is really a level, so that that helps you to sort of raise your game up, right? When you're around other people that are uh, yeah. top notch, yeah. uh, so to speak, but, but, and you hang out and with also, them. And, and also, you're so, not so intimidated uh, because you see how human they are. You see that everybody, you know, including famous people that, like this guy Peter Howard that I used to, you know, work with. I mean, mm. he's got just as many insecurities and procrastinations and foibles <laughs> as, as any of us. You know, it's not like he's like all business and all. Oh, I know what I'm doing, and absolutely not, absolutely not. I, I haven't met any successful person like that. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting how you know these people we look up to and put on a pedestal are very human and have their fo foibles. So, um, you know, that's uh, uh, amazing advice you've given us. And, you know, Jim Rohn says that you're the combination of the five people you hang out with most. So you really wanna understand that. And, um, you know, it goes back to that, you were talking about networking. 
Uh, oftentimes people need to understand with networking, you want to do targeted networking. Uh, you have to make it intentional and, uh, and, you know, going to a place like New York and perhaps reaching out to specific types of people doing keyword searches on LinkedIn can very well help you to reach out to the people and, and, and make build relationships and whatnot. I have, and, a, I have a, I have a saying in my wall and it says, um, uh, there are plenty of fish in the sea or something like that, but go to where the fish are. Mm -hmm. you know, there, are <laughs> there, there are many, whatever. It was just kind of like, yeah, don't fish in the wrong pond for what you okay. want. Um, I forgot the quote. Uh, well, definitely, I, I get the uh, the point, the gist of it, and thank you for sharing it. That obviously you want to be hanging out with the kind of people you need to hang out with uh, in order to get to the level you want to be at. And you know, when you talk to people who are at the the, the same track as you are, or maybe at a higher level or the level you're trying to get at, yeah, again, you learn from them. And you know, as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. And uh, <laughs> maybe oh. these, yeah. Oh, I like so. that. Success leaves clues. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, so, so important for people to understand their environment and whatnot and, uh, and get that going. Uh, now, I, I'm curious, I, I guess, looking at the other side of the coin here, what advice would you give for someone who is looking for a copywriter or perhaps a songwriter? Now they can go to you, which I, I think would be that would be an excellent decision, of course. Yeah. Uh, but let's I, see. I, teach, I teach songwriting as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess if you're in New York, what I would do is, is what I did. Um, take a class at SVA, School for Visual Arts. Um, they have copywriting classes taught by people that work at ad agencies in New York. Um, and, you know, again, it, it's a good place to get exposure to kind of a New York standard for writing, for copywriting. Um, gets you out of your little bubble. So I would say take a class. Um, you know, go to, right. go to, go to events, you know, like I used to go to um, a ton there in New York, there are tons of events for actors and for, uh, you know, for the film industry, for the music industry. And I used to go to them all, you know, wow. and um, you know, I, I actually, didn't make any, you know, industry connections through that, mm -hmm. but I did connect to other musicians through that, and um, and that would kind of lead to collaborations of various kinds. Wow, yeah. so that's amazing. So obviously, someone can, if they uh, are an aspiring songwriter, they can go to school, they can learn how to network correctly and whatnot, and uh, you know, a tremendous advice. Yeah. Uh, thank, yeah. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, I was, when I realized that I was the only thing I'd really taken seriously my whole life was songwriting. Um, <laughs> I'd been to Nashville a couple of times and just, it's a real songwriting town. Mm -hmm. um, and I was either, I either decided, all right, I'm going to either just go and live in Nashville and just learn the way people learn. Um, or I'm going to go back to school. At Berkeley College of Music and do their songwriting program. And I chose Berkeley. Um, I'm glad that I did. Um, but, you know, a lot of people just hang out in Nashville for 10, 20 years and wow. kind of absorb it. They have a lot of seminars, a lot of 
know, famous writers, um, teaching younger writers, a lot of co-writing. Um, I mean, I would say Nashville has more terrible songwriters than anywhere in the country. And they have many, many good ones. You know, there's like so many songwriters that come to Nashville and most of them are terrible. You know, it's like, there's just very little understanding of what, you know, people listen for in music. Um, and some people learn it while they're there. And, mm -hmm. but it, it was very interesting. I, I, um, I remember a professor at Berkeley, you know, we were like, it was a senior songwriting class, senior level songwriting class. And we were all like, we bring in a song a week that we'd written and the rest of the class would discuss it. And, and he said one time, he said, do you realize that the general level of work in this class is like in the top 10% of all songwriting out there? And I never thought that at all. We're all like very self-critical and all this. Mm. But then you go to Nashville and <laughs> yeah. you go to these like, you know, in the round things or, you know, song, you know, you know, where, where famous people will critique different songs. Right. And, and you realize it's like, oh, these people are terrible. You know, they're, it's like they're, they're really, um, it, it's a funny thing. Um, but yeah, in, in general, and, and that's why it's very, very hard to get through to, um, you know, publishers, record companies, because, right. you know, 95 out of 100 demo tapes they get are terrible and oh, they, they, they pretty much go right in the trash they don't they don't even get listened to because of that it's just too much work to listen for a diamond in the rough and so people would rather you know know someone who knows someone who knows someone so at least it's kind of going to be in that level um i, I remember i was i was a judge on the um, usa songwriting contest right uh, back at least 20 years ago and our job was to we were the early round of judges before the celebrity right. judges and we would get a hundred songs and we had to pass on 10 to the next level. It was so hard to find 10 songs that were even worth passing wow. on the next level. And people would send in tapes where they're like, you know, terrible production. And then halfway through the song, I remember one guy, like his dog started barking and he said, shut up. And then he just keeps going with the song and it was a terrible song and it was just like these people are paying 35 dollars because they think they have a chance to compete and it's just it, it was shocking to me how low the standard was you know how to find 10 songs that were even coherent was really difficult it, it was really shocking to me wow yeah <laughs> I, I could just imagine you on american idol or you know any of these uh shows that you'd, you'd be sort of be like simon cowell right um, maybe a little nicer than, um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well i mean they have a very high standard you know they they have people that you know are very talented generally um yeah but yeah it's the same thing though at, just at a much lower level what i was doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can only imagine so the guy was telling his dog to be quiet well so but in the <laughs> middle of a demo tape he paid 35 dollars to send into the USA songwriting contest. It was just like, oh my God. You would think he would edit it out, or maybe he didn't have didn't know how. I don't know. Maybe. I, no, I think he just had no concept of what he was up against. He's like, it was a great song. 
you know, Dolly Parton should record this song. And it was like, wow, you know, it doesn't, you know, it has to be a really good song <laughs> to have Dolly Parton record it. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, so, <laughs> well, uh, thank you for sharing that story. That's uh, gave me quite a chuckle. Um, obviously, I, uh, you've mentioned a lot of important life lessons. Um, yeah. You know, I've been able to glean a lot of wisdom from you. Uh, thank you so much for that. In addition to the wisdom you've already uh, provided to us, uh, what what other nuggets or life lessons have you learned just all from others you'd, you'd love to share with us? Uh, life lessons that keep going. I don't know. It's not, you know, I'm telling you everything as straight and as directly as I can. You know, mm -hmm. it, it may sound like I'm being, I don't know, critical a little bit, but I think it, you know, I'm, all I can do to me, an honest, honest statement, I think is more valuable than being nice, you know, in this kind of setting. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, there, it's like, to me, life lessons keep happening all the time. You know, I'm, I'm a completely different person than I was in my 20s. And, you know, it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. um, most of my life lessons, I think, have been um, through my own experience. But usually that was precipitated by someone else. Mm -hmm. um, someone else, you know, suggested that I try something which I would never have had the confidence to imagine trying. Mm -hmm. I just didn't think that big, but other people can help you think that big because they're not you. They don't have your mm -hmm. experience, they have their own. Right. And I remember one woman in Tokyo, I was doing some recording with her and she'd gone to Berkeley and she said, oh, you would love Berkeley. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm too old. Uh, you know, that's for child prodigies and, and she was like, oh, no, no, no. They take people at all levels and there's lots of older students. And um, so I went back to school at age 39, which I wouldn't have considered on my own. It was just too intimidating. But her wow. you know, words helped me to apply and then go. And wow. so I think a lot of things kind of come from out for me, a lot of kind of pivotal moments have come from other people wow yeah that's amazing so other people just pushing you and encouraging you seeing the potential in you that you perhaps didn't see in yourself at the time exactly and we all sort of, we all sort of yes. need that exactly yeah it, it's very hard to see you know yourself um mm -hmm. and I, it still is for me you know mm -hmm. but um other people can they may not even they may not even see you either, but at least they've got a little different. They've got a bigger perspective. Right. Um, yeah, like like right. the guy, this guy who was kind of a friend and mentor, Peter Howard was his name. And he was just he was a Juilliard piano player, you know, outstanding, of course, but there's a million outstanding Juilliard right. piano players. And um, and then Richard Rogers gave him his first job on Broadway. Wow. And, you know, then all of a sudden he's meeting people and he's in the circuit and he's like, people can recognize his talent and they want to bring him in. And, but without Richard Rogers saying, yes, 
I want you to be my assistant conductor on Sound of Music, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow, to have that to have that opportunity with Richard Rogers. Wow. And then oh, yeah. Rogers and Hammerstein, right? Absolutely. No, he had a he had an amazingly amazing life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Sound of Music is actually uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, my mother oh. loves Sound of Music. It's, who Amazing. doesn't, right? Yeah. And um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, there is so much wisdom that I have learned from you. This is an interview I'll be watching and rewatching a lot. And uh, it's such an honor to have you on the show. I'm curious now, what book recommendations? Uh, would you have for folks? It could be books of any kind, books on copywriting, songwriting, or just life in general. Uh, there's a really good book on songwriting. And it's basically this guy, he interviews other songwriters. I think it's, it's called Songwriters on Songwriting. And he basically interviews very famous songwriters and they talk about their process. And I found that so helpful. Uh, because I could read about, you know, Leonard Cohen or Joni Mitchell or Don Henley or whoever, and they're very frank. You know, I remember Leonard Cohen saying, he said, look, if I knew how to write a good song, I would tell you. He said, I have no idea. He said, I've tried meditating. I've tried, you know, being a monk. I've tried being social. I've tried womanizing. I've tried getting drunk. I've tried being in the wilderness. I've tried being in New York City, being social. He said, none of it works. He said, if I knew what worked, I would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> so I well, like he's, that. Had a, <laughs> he's had an amazing career, Cohen. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, interesting. I'm surprised he would say that, but, uh, you know, he obviously told the truth there. And uh, so I'm curious, since you love writing so much, would you ever consider writing a book yourself about you know, your life or anything else? If someone asked me to or paid me to, sure. But it's not like an aspiration of mine, no. Okay. No. Well, if you did, I, I would definitely check that book out. And, um, you know, yeah, I definitely would. And um, I, I definitely think you have a good book in you, but obviously it's, it's something you'd have to consider, of course. And, but if someone paid you, you would do what you said. Um, I'm curious, uh, would you ever start or create your own podcast i think you'd be great as a podcaster i again that's i've never considered it never thought about it um i do like one-on-one -on -one. i do like you know engaging with someone and <clears throat> learning about what makes them tick um which i do for a song just for you in that context but <clears throat> um it would be interesting i mean it, it's it's a certain skill, you know, it's like you, you want to bring out the other person and not inject yourself too much. Right. I would have to learn how to do that better, I think, because the, the interviewers that I've listened to, and, and I think you're doing a good job, you know, are, you. Are, are good at that, you know. I mean, I'm sure you have many opinions about the things that I've said, but <laughs> this isn't about you. It's yeah. trying to figure out. So you you're not saying them, which sometimes that's hard for me to not get in a discussion. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that's a skill for a podcaster that I would have to learn if I did that. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. No, I, I don't really have aspirations though to do podcasts. So okay. Far. 
No problem. Well, if you did, I would definitely check it out. Um, obviously, you're a guest on podcast, which is just as fine, maybe even better. Um, so you know, you could probably you could just leave it at that, and that'd be okay, and whatnot. And so you know, you haven't really said much that I would disagree with, by the way. Um, j- just to let you know, uh, and and I don't, I think everything you said was okay. Uh, not much I, I thought you said was wrong or in any way. And, but obviously this is about you and this is a, a platform for the guests, of course. So, um, and you've been a great guest. Uh, it's an honor to have you again on the show. Um, you know, I've learned a lot by listening to you and whatnot, and I'm sure the audience will as well. Um, can you go ahead and describe all the ways that people can reach out and connect with you? Oh, sure, sure. Um, a song just for you.com is the website that I use. It's, it hasn't been updated in a while, but it has the way to reach me. Um, if people want to discuss, I mean, I'll give them my email. My email is uh, mhg, as in Mary Henry George, at yahoo.com. And um, either, either of those are fine. Or I'm on LinkedIn, you know. Um, I don't really check Facebook much, or, but yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Reverb Nation. I'm on you know, different things, but, you know, LinkedIn or my email are probably the most direct ways to get a hold of me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. The information you just provided will be available in the episode uh, description area. So people will be able to see it and read it there. Okay. Thank you so much for that. And uh, do you want to leave us with a, any last word or final send off or. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to be on your podcast. I really am. You know, it's like I'm, I'm an example of what I was describing with the, the career exploration class. You know, it's like, oh, he wants to know about me? Wow. <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm honored that you had me. I'm really quite thrilled and I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate getting to the chance to verbalize things that maybe I haven't verbalized before. Wonderful. And, um, you know, well, thank you for taking the time out of your busy uh, schedule to, you know, carve out some time and, and to sit down and have a chat with me. I'm very thankful and grateful for that. You know, even though many guests do say yes, I'm always very flattered when people uh, decide to come on this show and, um, and, and, and talk to me. So uh, thank you so much for, for being a guest. And I'll, I'd love to introduce you to other podcasters as well. Uh, and get that going and and whatnot. So again, um, definitely please stay in touch. And of course, if, if I can send you referrals your way, I, I would definitely do that when it comes to being a songwriter and uh, or copywriter. And uh, so I want to thank you. I want to thank the audience for listening and for watching. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Uh, in the meanwhile, everyone have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you so much. It's definitely been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Have a great day, and it's really, really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. It's good, great to interview a fellow New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Well, cool, man. Take and care. If, if I yes. can help you in any way, I know you want to get into copywriting. Um, we can have like a just a one-on-one offline, and we can talk about you know why you want to get into it, how you could get into it, all that stuff. I'm happy to do that another time, another session. No problem. Just to help you, you know, if I, if I can, you know. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for that, Michael. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, I definitely do want to speak with you 
uh, particularly for a few moments, even after this, uh, we're done recording here. Uh, it won't take too long. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I have, I'm meeting someone later this afternoon. Can we just set up? Oh, okay. Because then I can really focus on you and how I could maybe help you. Okay, definitely. So we can we can do that another time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Next next week we can we can find a time. Yeah. You got it. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, and I'll uh, I'll send you a link to the recording of this Zoom meeting so you can have that. You got it. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye. From the backyard in Barrington to the amazing Mississippi to the coast of Costa Rica, the Seychelles, Tanzania, Mongolia, Australia, and all three Lake Vermilions, each place with lasting memories of bait casting. With a bobber made for bobbing and a sinker made for sinking, a lure that's made for luring and a boat that's made for thinking, you can solve all the world's problems and if only they would listen, everything would be just fine. It's a family condition. A leisure time ambition. A handful tradition. You never get tired of fishing Well a cast that's made for casting And a weight that's made for waiting And a reel that's made for reeling Well there just ain't no debating When you're floating on the water And forgetting all your problems The whole world seems just fine It's a family condition a leisure time ambition A handful tradition You never get tired of fishing Tiger fish timing Nile perch sunfish GT's bonefish Freshwater bass Even that clever muskie Of 10,000 cats It's a handful tradition You never get tired of fishing Once a video got away but Not that time and I am proud to say Best part of that world record catch Dad was there to witness how he met his match made for bowing and swells are made for swelling docks are made for docking and tails are made for telling as your memory starts to fiddle and you stretch the truth a little 
Still believe every damn word It's a family condition A leisure time ambition A handful tradition You never get tired of fishing Of their own volition Ain't no opposition It's a family tradition you never get tired of fishing From the backyard in Barrington We learn to bait cast A lifetime of angling The catches have been vast Fish come and go But the memories last All the good times spent fishing with Dad guys before you go just real quick um if you can just do me a favor if you can head over uh to the uh, apple podcast app and if you're not there already and if you can leave me a five-star review that would be great um if you love the show if you can just go ahead and do that and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do and so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.